We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And Oladipo wants it again. Approaching two minutes to play. With the left hand and authority. McKee gets it in the middle for the win. Well, welcome back to Setting the Pace, and we have breaking news as we are getting on air. Shams bombs, Woj bombs, and then, of course, New Jersey bombs. So, Fachi, welcome back to Setting the Pace. We are in for a loaded show. That we are, Alex. We finally have Pacer news to report again, and it feels good. Absolutely. So, we'll start off with that Woj bomb. The Indiana Pacers have decided to pick up the fourth option. On power forward TJ Leaf. Initial reactions, Fachi? Well, bomb is one way to put it. I would say maybe more of a, a firecracker or something. <laughs> uh, but yes, TJ Leaf is coming back to the Pacers next year. I think it's just a, a good move that we all kind of expected. I mean, he's not going to be expensive. We are hoping he takes the next step forward. This year, uh, I saw you had a great tweet out there hoping this was kind of a prove it year for TJ right, Leaf. Right. But at the same point, it doesn't hurt to pick up the option now. Just get ahead of it. It just puts the prove it year on delay for a year. So maybe he'll play with confidence. It's not like they extended him or anything like that. They just picked up the exactly. fourth option. So it's it's not that big of a deal. And next year's free agency class is pretty much slim pickings. I mean, you saw Kyle Lowry get $31 million for one year because everybody's geared yeah. up for that 2021 offseason. So smart move by the Pacers. 
to just kind of keep this same core together for the next couple of years and pick up that option. But in addition to that, Sham Sarania came out with a tweet of his own saying that the Pacers also picked up the third-year option on Aaron Holiday's contract. Uh, looking to get some big minutes this year as a backup point guard. I like this move as well. It was something that 110% had to be done. I mean, the Pacers think just the highest of Aaron Holiday. I think all Pacer fans are in agreement with that. Uh, he's got a, He's going to take a nice step forward this year. The third-year option was just something that it, it was a foregone conclusion. You have to do it. And I'm excited that we already got it done with going into the season. Might as well put these players at ease. Absolutely. And then... Our third big news of the day, it might actually be the news that most fans are talking about right now on social media, but uh, in Terre Haute, Indiana, Shea Orr, you can find him on Twitter at Shea underscore ORR94, found a new Pacers jersey in one of the stores up there, and it looks like it could be the new Pacers earned jersey because they do get an earned jersey for making the playoffs. Got a nice little, uh, hard to describe it, it's, it's it's yellow with blue writing. And then in the right corner on the front of the jersey, it's got one blue stripe kind of diagonal similar to the Flojos. Then mm-hmm. it's got white on the corner with gray stripes, which is similar to the ones that they have on the yellow and blue jerseys they have now with those extra like stripes. I forget what they exactly mean, but they, they're some yeah. kind of symbol of something. But uh Initial reaction, Foch. I mean, if you guys haven't seen it already, I'm sorry for describing it so poorly, but check it out on Twitter. You'll see what I'm talking about a little bit better. It's a very hard jersey to describe. I think it's interesting. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Uh, (laughs) I'm not in love with it. I think that it's something different. It is. Um, It's cool. I mean, when I saw the tweet over there, I mean, was was Shea one of the first people to discover that in in the store? Yeah, and like... Then Slam Online copied his pictures and shared it. So that's pretty cool for him. Yeah, it was. That tweet was kind of blowing up a little bit with uh, Pacer reaction. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I kind of would have liked if the white and the gray was a little bit more on the side, uh-huh. a little bit more on, on both sides. I think that would have went a little bit cooler. It, it's just uh, it's just a weird color formation with the three of those kind of being on, on one side. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? What was your takeaway on the jersey? Well, if you read my tweet, I said, I don't love these uniforms, but compared to the gray ones last year, these are much better. Um, yes. My, my biggest take is I don't like the gray. I'm sorry. It just does not do anything for me. I hate the gray jerseys mm-hmm. from last year. Now, some people are like, oh, I thought they were sick, but not me. I didn't care for them. But honestly, I, I think if they would have just been solid white maybe in that corner down there, I would have liked them better. Yeah. But it is what it is. They're 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 not that noticeable, I think. And especially if they're on, you probably won't even notice the white as much as the yeah. gold and the blue stripes. So hopefully that's what it looks like when they're playing in them. But who knows? I mean, last year I think the gray jerseys got leaked early as well, and they were spot on. So this is probably what they're going to be for those earned jerseys because we have yet to see anything different. It makes sense. It does. So great, great spot by Shea out there. Absolutely. Well, about a week ago, around this time, Pacer fans were getting ready to watch some preseason action as the Pacers were in India. Now, this coming Friday, they'll get to play the Chicago Bulls at home. So, all of you fans, this is your only chance to see the Pacers in preseason action at home. They're playing the Chicago Bulls tomorrow at 7 o'clock, Bankers Life Fieldhouse. If you haven't got tickets, I'm sure they're not too expensive seeing it as a preseason if you want to see the guys in action. Unfortunately, no go-go once again. 
But before we preview the Chicago Bulls, Fachi, let's recap what happened last week in India. So give me some of your initial reactions to the way they play and what, what you saw out there. I think we saw a little bit of everything, and I think that Pacer fans have to be excited. I mean, in both games, I mean, they averaged 131 points against the Kings, so you saw a high-powered offense. You saw the Pacers rally from 21 down in the first game to come back. I mean, we saw, we got such a great preview of Malcolm Brogdon and TJ Warren. I mean, Jeremy Lamb is is no, uh, no schlub either. He looked really good out there as well, started out really hot. Fizzled out a little bit towards the end, but at the same point, Brogdon completely impressed me. His ball movement was was way better than I was anticipating. I mean, he finished with 14 assists. I was just skimming through a bit of the numbers, and Darren Collison had one game of more than 14 assists all of last year. Uh, going back to Jeff Teague, he had two games over 14. So, I mean, if we could be getting consistently over 10 assists per game, I'm going to be very excited about that. Um, obviously, TJ Warren, that clutch shot to force overtime. Miles Turner closing out with a block. That was like everything. That <laughs> sequence right there was amazing. Right, so right. The, And then in game two, the starters, they just played 19 minutes each. It was the bench that Absolutely came through and, and picked up all the slack that was missing in game one. And I love to see it. So it looked like between the two games, you got a good preview of just about everybody. Because game two, you know, TJ Warren wasn't as strong and Bro- and Brogdon wasn't as strong as game one. But you got to see like Edmund Sumner and Aaron Holiday look a lot better. Jacar Alizé, Samson, your boy. My boy Alizé leading us in points and rebounds. <laughs> you know he's on the Fachi fantasy team. I loved it. Absolutely. No, Alizé, he was awesome, man. And I'm not going to lie. Um the other night, I was on Instagram, and Alizé went live, and I was dying laughing because some people were joining him, and he's like, he's like, this kid's like, can I get your jersey? And he was like, why? <laughs> he's like, he's like, are you a Pacer fan? He's like, no, I didn't become one until, uh, until you were on there, and the, it was just funny, their interaction. Alizé's a cool dude. Uh, he but, is. but anyway, yeah, I, I think that it was really interesting to see the rotations McMillan used with that bench, and that was one thing that I highlighted as what I was looking forward to seeing. In that second game, you saw a little bit more of T.J. McConnell with that second mm-hmm. unit to start things off. And then they brought in uh, Holiday, uh, Aaron, and Justin together. And the two guards off the bench to start that game were Edmund Sumner and T.J. McConnell. Uh, McDermott was a part of that unit. But you got to remember, there was no Goga. There was no T.J. Leaf. So Jakar Sampson and Alizé Johnson got those big minutes uh, playing with that second unit. And I'm not going to lie. I thought both guys were impressive. Jakar Sampson looked pretty impressive out there, Fudge. He did. And so far, I mean, obviously we talked about it before. It was just a four-game sample size with the Bulls before. But, I mean, this guy's shown that he's deserving of some minutes on this season. And I think that the signing, when he came out of nowhere, it, it was like, all right. I mean, I'm kind of intrigued by this. Right. And uh, I remain that way. I'm, I'm excited to see him tomorrow night against the Bulls. No, there's no doubt about it. I think that he definitely was a surprise signing. And the way that it all went down, I mean, he had a deal to go to China in place. And mm-hmm. he broke the deal off in China to stay with the Pacers. So the, I would be very shocked if he gets cut uh, once they make their oh, final yeah. cuts for training camp. So, um, but yeah, it's just I really enjoyed watching him play. And right now with Goga hurt, it looks like Jakar might be our backup center. 
Yeah, uh, very well could be. Obviously, not as tall as Goga. I believe Jakar is about six nine oh, or much as, undersized with, with the with the new measurements. Probably six eight since yeah. everybody lost an inch. Uh, that was like okay. the when oh, there's God. no news going on in the NBA, everybody can, was losing their mind. Over can one I bring inch. something up real quick? What do you got? So this is like non Pacers related, and I apologize. But when I saw your tweet about Isaiah Thomas and. <laughs> I, I laughed so hard when I saw that. You said, oh, true. come on, give the guy an inch. He's been through enough already. I, I was like, <laughs> give IT his inch back. He's been through enough. I mean, they try to knock him down to like 5'8". It was like, leave him out of this. Oh, man. You know? They're just picking on your wizards, man. Yeah, not my wizards. That needs to be clear. All right, Indiana Pacers for life. <laughs> oh, man, you cracked me up, my, my man. But anyway... <laughs> Let's get back to Indy a little bit. I want to talk about that game one a little bit more because Sabonis yep. got injured, had to get stitches, comes out with a headband. Mm-hmm. I love seeing headband Sabonis. Love I this. actually think he can rock the headband. I think it looked pretty good on him. I think it did also. It was definitely an interesting look, all about spicing it up, and uh, why not? You know, If Miles Turner can have like five different hairstyles and wearing the mask, why can't Sabonis have right. another style? Right, right, right. Well, I do want to talk about this because it was very, you know, interesting to me to see how McMillan used these guys in the offense. And like I had a strong feeling, I felt like Sabonis was going to be the focal point of the offense, running the pick and rolls, uh, being the distributor, whether it's with Brogdon, whether it's with TJ Warren, whether it's with Jeremy Lamb. He was involved in a lot of the high pick and roll action, while Turner played a similar role to Thaddeus Young, and he was kind of just sitting in that three, you know, in the three-pointer uh, slot in the baseline. So he was kind of just being used to stretch the floor. And if you l- kind of look back at the way the Pacers ran their offense, Miles Turner was the fifth option. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's uh, it's interesting to me. I would say Brogdon and Turner were probably the two that were used the least within the offense, and that might just be McMillan trying to, you know, not show all his cards in the preseason. But if Very that positive. is, you know, foreshadowing of what's to come this season – I, I'm not sure what to think about that. Do you think that that's a good thing for the Pacers, or do you think that that could cause problems if Miles is not heavily involved in the offense and he's more of just a catch-and-shoot kind of player? I don't know. I mean, we all kind of knew when Miles got that contract that it became kind of evident that we didn't know if he'd ever be able to live up to necessarily being like, you know, that like 18-10 and 10 guy. I don't know if he's ever going to be that guy. But, hey, financially, he is paid. Uh, he's, he's happy on the team. I think that you, you want to use him to the best of his ability. I don't know if he's ever going to be someone who's dominant in the paint. Uh, so you use him how you can use him. And in, in game one, it, he wasn't that aggressive, but he had a double, double. I mean, it was, it worked for the Pacers. I don't know if he wasn't aggressive. I I thought he was aggressive. I mean, he looked really active on the glass. I just don't think that they were using him in the offense as much. Yes. They weren't going through him at all. They were using him as a stretch four, in a sense. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, the, the focal point, he was not the focal point of the offense. That is right. definitely for sure. But at the same point, uh, you know, when T.J. Warren was getting hot, it was it was he was yeah. getting hot. I mean, he was five or six from three. I think that that was a great sign to see it. Um, and even when they drew up the play at the end, I mean, that was for him. So, 
Uh, I think that we saw a lot of positives. I think that Miles is going to take whatever role is asked of him. I mean, a lot of times we haven't seen the offense just go straight through him. Right. Of course, there is those occasional games where he'll have a dominant like 27-point game or 25-point game. But this team, that's what we stressed before of how deep it is, how versatile it is. There's so many options on this team that I feel real good about it because it's like, Think about it. We scored. We averaged 131 points. I get it. It's preseason. There was no Victor Oladipo. You know, you, you got to feel good about that. It's not like the offense is just stalling out, and then we you try and flip the script and go, oh well, it's just preseason. You know, or whatever. It's like no, this Pacers team looked good in in both games defensively. Look, game one that was not good. I mean, the Kings no. shot like 50, percent but at the same point. It was being able to overcome the 21-point deficit. Uh, and I know, obviously, from just an unrelated standpoint, if you were a fan at that game in India, how did you not leave there like almost falling in love with NBA basketball? I felt like both teams put on a show. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere down the line there's a bunch of random Indiana Pacer fans in India from that game. It was that thrilling. Yeah, it was thrilling, and I thought it was awesome to see McMillan coach it. Like a playoff game, he had mentioned that he was going to, you know, keep the minutes down for the starters. But, you know, they all played around 30 minutes or more. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive to see. And they played a back-to-back as well. That's why you saw the numbers a little bit lower in that second game. And they really didn't need to play much after the bench went off the way they did. It was great to see just overall, just the way they all played. It was excellent to see. But as far as disappointments, was there anything, anyone you were disappointed with? Uh, I mean, the disappointments was obviously Goga and TJ Leaf not playing. Right. It's like Goga has become like this mystery. Like you're just, you want to see him out there already. And TJ Leaf of all, like when we're going to come out with the comments of saying like, hey, people are saying he could be, you know, the breakout player of the year for the Pacers. It's like, well, it starts with getting on the court. We talked about (laughs) it earlier that, you know, obviously he seemed too old for the summer league, but he could have been someone who could have dominated the right, summer right. league and really got that confidence up so now we've heard off the court that he's doing really well but it's kind of time to see it on the court yeah and i think we'll get a chance to see it tomorrow night against chicago it should be a good matchup uh, he'll be going up against thaddeus young in that second unit for the chicago bulls so it'll be a little tougher of a matchup than he probably would like to start out with because we know how relentless that is on defense and it was fun watching thad go up against zion last night Uh, in the post a little bit you know Thad's not going to let anybody mess with him and bully him so it'll be a good opportunity for TJ to kind of prove his worth and why he why he deserves that spot in the rotation but as for me my biggest disappointment I'm just I'm just over this Doug McDermott era Uh, I I know it's early Uh, I know it's early Foch but the way Sumner played the way Justin Holiday played in game two game one Justin Holiday was not very good but game two Holiday looked a lot better especially playing with his brother I want to see those three in the backcourt for that second unit. I think that'd be so much better defensively, so much more athletic. You put them with Goga, who's a shot protector, or rim protector, excuse me, shot blocker, rim protector. I like that. I like that makeup right there in that second unit. What are your thoughts on that second unit? No, I agree. I like that a lot more. It's just like if McDermott is not going to be a lights out three point shooter, it's like What's his there's not. There's not much value there then. No. And it, it's like overall, if you were just going to go by a number standpoint, sure, his shooting wasn't bad at all, but it was not anything to write home about. 
Uh, so that that's the whole thing is like, look, what we thought we signed at 1201 uh, when free agency began was a lights out three point shooter. I uh, haven't haven't really seen it yet. So no, we haven't. Uh, We've overpaid. I I literally like did. every trade that I think of. I want to just put him in it. Oh, and try to get oh something yeah. Back. Oh that that was your thing last year. Every every time when we were talking, it was almost like, how do we get McDermott out of town? That seven million dollars just seemed like it fit in everywhere. Because obviously, like Sabonis wasn't signed, and it was like you know Miles had the brand new contract and everything. You didn't feel like you'd be trading him, but yeah, uh, it seemed I'm like McDermott. Down I know, I know. It's we got against gotta... McDermott. Like I honestly just don't think he fits with the Pacers' style of play. Yeah, like I, if you if you were to put him on like a LeBron James Lakers team right now, perfect, perfect. I, I think that's a perfect fit for him because he just hits really the spot is. up and hit threes, and he doesn't. No, he tries on defense. I'm not saying he's not a good defender but i'm not or a bad defender i'm just saying he tries it's not like he just sit out there and let guys go by him at least he's working yeah. hard on defense he's a smart basketball player i mean there's a reason he was so dominant at creighton he's unbelievable at creighton i know but i mean i'm just saying like he's got skills he's just yes. not a good fit for this team and i think with how much wing depth we have he's just kind of someone that you can live without and so maybe maybe at times i'd like to see him play the stretch for a little bit but that's about it i just yeah. I'm just I'm not yeah. in love with it. I know, and I wonder if he's the kind of guy who needs maybe more volume, but I don't know if the Pacers are really going to be able to get him a lot of volume. <laughs> you know, it seems like McDermott might be a kind of guy where it's like, look, you're getting four th- three-point attempts. Like, we're, we're going to need you to make two or three of them. You know, it's like, yeah. obviously you're not going to make three out of four on average. You're not going to shoot 75% from three, but it's like, I need you to average at least 45% from three on the year. you, yeah. you got to be able to do that. Uh, in a in a side note, hey, first game that we got to see uh, Sabonis and Miles Turner starting together. Oh, yeah. Pacers out rebounded the Kings by seventeen. Um, we saw Sabonis and Miles Turner combined for thirty two points, twenty five boards on fourteen to twenty six shooting. So it's like that is it was everything you could ever even hope for. Right. So in, in terms of this pairing, so got I me very it was excited. A matchup for sure. Yes, 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 it was. But at the same point, that 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 game one was like, if you're a Pacer fan, it just seemed like everything went right in the end. And it was like, after being away from basketball for so long, it was so great to just have the game go that way. All right, and the last thing before we wrap up this segment here, what were your thoughts on the T.J. Warren uh, little debate that Suns fans were having with Pacer fans. Oh, I know that I did a little. God. I did a little video where I recapped the trade and why it made sense for both teams, and just kind of tried to explain the whole thing. But I wanted to get your take on the feud because I already gave mine, and I'll, I'm more than happy to reiterate it if you didn't hear it all the way. But yeah, yeah. So I, I saw a tweet last week saying like it was by some Suns fan saying like, "Hey, I know T.J. Warren looked good, but like, don't worry, like we'll be good." So. I don't know. I felt obligated to chime in and say, yeah, good for 30 wins next year because it was I, – I don't know who these Suns fans think they are. Like I, I said, keep the change because in reality all we gave them was a little bit of cash. Uh, it was it was unbelievable. Um, I, I think they kept saying like, oh, you'll realize you know, shortly like he doesn't fit this team. All he does is score. And I thought, great. We we wanted to bring in another scorer. We have we have a right. defensive unit, a, a whole team that can play defense for the most part. Like TJ Warren being able to add him to the team, he looked like a walking bucket in game right. one. So 
So why not? Uh, and then, you know, they, everyone starts chirping out saying, like, well, we were able to sign Rubio for cheaper than Terry Rozier. And I was like, is that, like, the, the, the best thing you got? You know, like, who even brought Rozier into this argument? Oh but, gosh. hey, there, there's, there's no argument with Suns fans. You don't want to bring yourself down to their level. I think that we absolutely robbed them on the deal. And, yeah, for them where you're not winning now, Maybe it doesn't make sense to have a guy like TJ Warren, but for us, it's, a, I think, a perfect fit. So I love the move that we did. I do it over again on draft night 10 out of 10 times. Well, the tweet that I saw was from our buddy Max. I don't know if he's friends with you or not, but I've talked to him several times. and uh, He's a big Suns fan and basically said, oh, shocking, TJ Warren puts up a lot of points in a meaningless game. Congratulations. It's Look, Suns fans are probably in love with him, and I have complete understanding why. He didn't live up to expectations with Phoenix. He was supposed to be probably somebody better than what he is. But at the end of the day, Phoenix has been a joke. He's had five co- or four coaches yeah. in the last five years or five coaches in the last four years, something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. what do you expect from the guy? He needs stability. He needs structure. And he needs a place that's going to use him the correct way. And that is yes. why the trade made sense for the Indiana Pacers. And look, I kind of get why the Suns did it. I'm surprised they didn't get anything else in return, like not even a first-round pick. Like the Shock. fact that they were just giving him away was what made the trade an absolute steal for the Pacers. But at the end of the day, it kind of made sense because they got Dario Sarge in a trade. They were able to sign Ricky Rubio, a point guard they wanted to pair with Devin Booker. Now, I know Pacer fans were not a fan of Rubio coming here, but Rubio no. there makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And at the end of the day, James Johnson, or James Jones, excuse me, not James Johnson, James Jones, former Indiana Pacer in the early 2000s. Yep. He did the Pacers a favor twice this year. He overpaid for Ricky Rubio, and he gave us T.J. Warren for free. That is the nicest thing and the best thing he's ever done for this Pacers franchise. And it's already forgotten that they even threw in the 32nd overall pick. Well, that's not even part of it, which we used to get multiple picks from the Heat. Yeah. And then traded those for Brogdon. Exactly. It's a whole chain reaction of just like, hey, James Jones, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's like I, while I enjoyed him as a Pacer for that brief stint, I'm enjoying him as a Suns GM a lot more. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back, and we're going to preview this Pacers-Bulls preseason game. All right, we're back, and we are ready to preview the Chicago Bulls and the Indiana Pacers. Preseason game number three, the Pacers look to remain undefeated. Faji, what are you thinking about this game? Well, in this game, hey, I think let's let's ride the momentum. You got to hope that the, the India trip kind of brought some team chemistry. Uh, obviously, they won both games, so, you know, it, it's safe to say that the team's feeling good. Um, I think that, as you mentioned before, TJ Leaf should play. He's day-to-day. It doesn't sound like Goga is going to play. It's unfortunate. But, hey, let, let's let's roll out the boys and let's let's see what we got. I think we're going to get a better feel for the team now. As I mentioned before, it seemed like game two was like, let's really give the reserves a lot more minutes. I think this game is going to be a bit more balanced. And uh, for that, I want to continue to keep my eyes on that Sabonis Moss Turner pairing. What, what do you think we can expect from that? those, those two? Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to hit on, too, because Lori Markkinen did play last night, but there was no Wendell Carter Jr. I'm not sure if he'll be playing in to, uh, tomorrow's game or not. I want to check that out while I'm talking. But I do think that Lori Markkinen definitely brings a bigger uh, challenge for Sabonis out there on the perimeter. 
Laurie Markkinen is a really talented basketball player, somebody I'm really high on, and I think that he definitely could give Sabonis problems because his ability to put the ball on the floor, while Dwayne Dedman was a nice, decent three-point shooter in that Kings matchup last weekend, he's not a guy that's going to take you off the dribble. I think that Markkinen has a better skill set to take you off the dribble. The same way Wendell Carter Jr. is someone I'm high on as well. I'm going to check this out real quick, Fudge, with Wendell Carter Jr., but... It looks uh, like he's out. Is he out? It yeah. looks like he's out. I'm trying to see what the um, – I'm not even seeing anything that he does not – why he wasn't even mentioned last night. So he wasn't even on the roster last night. So even if he doesn't play, you know, he's still got Felicio, who's a, a bruiser, so that's who Turner will guard or you expect to guard. But anyway, um, with with that matchup, though, Markinen versus Sabonis, that's going to cause problems. But I want to see how Sabonis – abuses Markkinen on the offensive end. Um, will they put Markkinen on Turner and put Felicio on Sabonis because if Turner is going to be used as somebody to, to stretch the floor, I think you could be seeing some cross matches on the opposite end of the, of the court based on how we run our offense. Because, I mean, there was times last year where they were putting, you know, bigs on Thaddeus Young and putting power forwards on Turner because Turner wasn't, you know, he was being used as a stretch four instead of, a pick and roller. So interesting, uh, interesting dynamic right there between those two. So sorry for rambling. I apologize. But uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I'm excited to see that. I mean, obviously now the Pacers have been off for basically about a week. Uh, you know, obviously it's the preseason. These guys are young. I don't think it's going to be something that's going to affect them in terms of any chemistry. Uh, but I would like to see that that matchup of Laurie Markkinen and whether it is Miles Turner or Sabonis. I, I think the world of Laurie Markkinen, uh, while we don't have a Zion, it seemed like Zion got everything he wanted last night against the Bulls in the paint. So that could be something that we could exploit. Um, so I'm just excited to, to see, get it, get a further look on what we could expect from this group moving forward. It, guys like Aaron Holiday, it seems like they're hot and cold. At times, Holiday game one, you know, not not the best game, too much better. So I would like to see Aaron Holiday kind of come out and be able to exploit something. Um, so just just continuing to see some of the young guys going. Lloyd Marketing is always going to be a problem. He right. he's he's just a very very talented. Obviously, you're going to have your hands full with a guy like Zach Levine. So just uh, hey, let's 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 keep the train rolling. And uh, I think the Bulls are a team we're obviously going to see a lot more of this year, so why not kick it off now in, uh, in Indiana? Yeah, and I, like you said, like I want to see the second unit. I want to see, exactly. once again, how McMillan is using the second unit, what the rotations are, because it's still an unknown. I mean, we have no idea what he's thinking. It could be McConnell and Holiday. It could be Holiday and Sumner. It could be both the Holiday brothers. I mean, we just don't know because these guys have all played well enough to earn those minutes. And mm-hmm. I'm sure they're fighting for him in training camp. There's a reason McMillan is trying to spread the wealth on that bench because he wants to see what's available to him. I'm I'm all for it. I just want to see what it's going to be so we can get some chemistry developed with that second unit. But it's all it's all going to be put on hold until we get to see Goga in action. But TJ Leave getting some minutes. I'm excited for that. I want to see the development from him from the last year to this year. Yeah, of course, and obviously Pacer fans, you know, will blow it out of proportion. But if T.J. Leaf comes out there and doesn't look too great, I mean, I think Pacer fans are going to be a little bit more worried about, you know, him taking that next jump. I think he has actually probably the most to gain 
with a strong performance from just a fan. Oops, I think we might have had a little bit of a lag there. But as I was saying, TJ Leaf is someone who I really want to see in this game. I think he actually has the most to gain from a strong performance. I think that it would, one, build the confidence. But also from a fan perspective, I think we would really be able to get behind him and feel that those backup power forward minutes are in uh, in good hands. Because you know, as we're going to touch on, as we touched on earlier, one guy who's breathing down his neck is Alize Johnson. I think with another performance, Alize is going to be pushing for those minutes. They're very invested in TJ Leaf, so obviously he's still going to get the first crack at it. But hey, show me some TJ Leaf, but also I know my man Alize is going to perform. Nothing against Alize Johnson. I'm all for him succeeding. I just don't think that he is in line to get those minutes from from TJ Leaf and to be honest with you if Goga is healthy for the regular season and TJ continues to struggle I could see Jakar Sampson getting minutes before uh, Alizé Johnson as Jakar was the first big off the bench in India so I think Alizé is probably on the bottom of the totem pole there for the active 15-man roster I think we'll see a lot of Alizé in Fort Wayne this year but that's no knock on him I just don't think that uh, he contributes, ah, it's hard to say that exactly, but I just don't think that he necessarily is the greatest fit with this Pacers team. Yes. Now, what what I think it is, is I think with what he's dealt with, he works extremely hard. That's fair. I think he's a very hard worker with a great motor that if you could give that determination to, to a lot of other players, like, for instance, TJ Leaf, I think TJ Leaf would be double the player. Um, so I do. I did. I thought it was encouraging to at least see two for four three point shooting from Alize Johnson. You know, if you can add to that three point game, I think that'd be huge for him. But Jakar Sampson a revenge game against the Bulls? Is it possible? It's the preseason, Fachi. I know, I know. But you gotta <laughs> hype this up in some way. You gotta. And for that, even if it's just four games played with the Bulls, Jakar Sampson is coming for Chicago. Okay. Okay. All right, so let's go ahead and do a score prediction for tomorrow night's game. Fachi, you seem fired up. Give me your give me your prediction. I'm fired up in the way that these preseason games are going with everybody scoring about 125. I'm going to go with the Pacers 128, Chicago 122. Okay. High scoring game. All right, Fachi, I like it. I like it. So I guess if I'm going to give my prediction We'll do Pacers 125, the Chicago Bulls 119. Close game Ooh. like you. We'll see what the final score is. But either way, it should be competitive. I'm excited to see some chippiness as these two are division rivals. Mm-hmm. And is there anything else you want to mention before we wrap this up? Uh, no, I'm just very excited to be you know able to talk Pacer basketball again. You know, On guys, offseason, it, it, exactly. It was a long one offseason but hey now is the best part of the year basketball is on its way and uh, the regular season is going to be here before you know it i think we have every reason to be extremely excited about this group that uh the front office has put together absolutely fachi well we appreciate you guys for checking out our podcast you can find us on clnsmedia.com pacerstalk.net and of course wherever you can get podcasts we will have that on spotify youtube and itunes and until next time We will talk to y'all later. Let's go Pacers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.